Everyone in content knows the feeling of being less than happy with a piece of content that they've just made. But that feeling, unfortunately, doesn't always stop there. You might even feel it at a critical career juncture. Enter Perfectly Content, the podcast. I'm your host, Adri Smith, content strategist at Folian. Every episode, we'll be joined by a guest to explore a real-life scenario where they tackle a content challenge and that nagging feeling of less than perfection. We'll hear about impactful content, stronger strategies, and more inspiring brands so that we can all become a little more perfect and more content. I'm really, really excited to be welcoming Bianca from Elementor. I'm really excited particularly for you to be on the show for a lot of reasons. One, because you have a really deep background in brand and content. Obviously, that's music to everyone's ears here. And also Elementor is, of course, a content-centric company as well. So somebody working in content for a content-based company, really exciting. Um, and then, of course, I've used Elementor before, basically to build an events uh, website on uh, WordPress. And it was super easy to use, and I love the product. So I think that's enough reasons uh, to be on the podcast. But I really just want to yeah, give you a warm welcome here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Just for a few of the listeners here, um, if you could give us a quick introduction to, yeah, who you are, also how you got into content. I find those stories always pretty interesting. Amazing. So basically, especially when it came to um, when it came to me myself getting into content, I am now the director of content at Elemental, and I hand, handle everything to do with the blog, as well as other things in terms of uh, I help a lot with the community, any of the growth strategies, any of the brand strategies. It's a very encompassing role where I'm very involved in a lot of different aspects of what the company does on a day-to-day basis where they would need content to support them and their efforts. But more importantly, well, I have only been at the company for two and a half, three months now, so I am still fairly new. But how I got into content, I think, is a little bit more of an interesting thing. Once I finished university in South Africa, I decided that in order for me to really understand and get the most out of what I wanted to do and figure out which direction I wanted to go into, I decided that I was going to touch every single avenue of marketing, content, and strategy that I could possibly find. So from starting out in promotions and literally doing wet dems and coordinating things as operations to video production, to TV production, digital marketing, I can go on to all of them and high tech. Uh, When I moved to Israel, it's a very, very focused area here specifically and that's where I am today and yeah I kind of realized that after being in high tech while I did love it very very much I wanted to go back to my core of what I had studied and I went back to the uh, to branding and I worked with an amazing branding agency called natty.com and they've done amazing work and they do continuously do amazing work Eitan Chetiat is absolutely a hero of mine um, and he really, I can say that uh, was a very big influence in me continuing and really progressing with content marketing specifically. And specifically, yeah, I think that after that, I realized that I had found as a native English speaker in a foreign country, having English and especially in Israel, when a lot of people my age, when I moved to Israel, were only finishing the army and they were going into um, university. I already had finished university and had a few years work experience And then came to a foreign country and I was like, oh, wow, I really can use my skills here and get ahead. And it really has proved to be a really interesting pathway. And it's something which is kind of 
grown from one strand to another. And, and, and I, I've loved my journey. I honestly love hearing everyone's different ways that they've kind of gotten to where they are, because I think there is no one career path for content marketing, right? Or, and also branding as well, because branding's, I mean, they often go hand in hand. So it's nice to hear that. I do have a couple questions about like, yeah, what are the biggest projects that you've worked on in your career? Maybe the top two, because I'm sure there are quite a few, but if you could just list a couple, because I think it is uh, worthwhile. It's an amazing question because especially, as I said, my time in Israel has been so vast and varying with my experience here. The two, which I would probably say have been not only challenging, but really incredible. One was I worked with a company called Reactions. It was originally called Samba and we won South by Southwest and we were used uh, by Dick Clark at the Streamy Awards. Wow. Learning how to run everything with a five-man team and getting high, like when I say to you that high tech is not for the faint-hearted and startup world is really something where you do work those 18-hour days. That was something which was absolutely incredible. And I'm so proud of everything which happened with the company and how we did. It was, was wonderful. And the second one, I would probably say, I would go back to Natty.com. And I really think that they were absolutely brilliant because we worked while I was there, I worked on everything from the rebranding for the Jewish Agency for Israel to amazing brands like UBQ and wow, I, I think I, the list goes on. But when I think about like half these brands I see around the world now, and it's amazing how such a boutique branding agency and created so many beautiful languages and manifestos and things which really impacted the way that the companies grew and raised money. Another one would be Veltech. There's a whole lot of other companies and they really are special. And I can say that during my time there, that those two, two, two examples, I would say really stand out for me. Nice. And it's good that you also had that experience because yeah, going into the challenge that we discussed, uh, this yeah big project where you kind of didn't necessarily got stuck. I mean, you obviously unstuck yourself, but uh, really hesitated, I would imagine, because it's a big one. If you could describe a little bit about what we spoke about, how you got stuck um, and the situation around it. Sure. So um, during Corona, uh, actually at the start of Corona, I started off at a company. It was my former company. It was called Traffic Point. And during this period of time, it was chaotic around the world. Everyone knew there were so many people going into furlough and as I joined the company, two of the content writers and well, content managers had just gone also gone on to furlough. So it was literally me as a one-man show. And the other one of the other girls is also away overseas. And she was working on like a part sabbatical and half-time while traveling. So it was very much about myself and working and taking this all on by myself and getting to learn not only their system, their company, but also really making sure that everything ran on a day-to-day basis um, and making sure the content was done and updated. All while at the same time, coming up with brand new language for them for their new website and redoing their brand values and building another brand of theirs and doing the branding and strategy and content and language for that and the research. So there was a lot involved in a very short period of time. And wow, first of all, time management and project management was a huge part of that. And I think that most people can relate to that and being organized and the second thing really was the fact that I, I learned very quickly and your freelance workforce is probably the best aspect that you can use when you're in a very stressful situation and there's time constraints and there's lack of hands and availability on a full-time permanent basis because 
when you have a freelance workforce, that really made a difference to my life, being able to find freelance writers. And what I really like about the freelance writer workforce is that compared to having an in-house writer, and I'm not against in-house writers, I think that if you're writing about a company and in the company's tone of voice, it is so important and thought leadership pieces from the actual company's perspective. But when you're writing about topics which are marketing and top funnel topics, it's better to work with people who really understand and are experts in one or two areas rather than having one person who can write about lots of different topics. It really shows in their writing and their passion. It comes out in the way that they do that. And I found that during during that period of time during Corona, and I had full support from my VP. It made such a difference knowing the fact that if I needed the resources for, for more freelance writers and finding experts at a higher price, it really pushed me to build that little network up for us. And it helped me with distributing the content and delegating like specific tasks. It's obviously content writing and articles. And it was organized. It was really easy to manage, but it also gave me more time to really focus on the strategy side of things. So when we finally got a team and a workforce together again, and we were able to hire and we grew and people came back from furlough and we continued. And it really made such a difference because not only did I learn so much about the company, but it really pushed me in such a short period of time to remind myself why I loved the freelance workforce to start. Because even when I was a freelancer, I realized you can't take on everything by yourself. You can do a aspect of it and you can do the design or the strategy and I think, again, that kind of ties in back to like the web creator kind of movement that Elementor really like believes in is because web creators kind of pull things from all different avenues and you really kind of, especially for web. And this is something where as you, even as a content marketer, you can pull information from one place and images from another place and sources and everything. And you really kind of build this whole world and this whole system of creating this type of content without having to stretch yourself to your absolute wit's end. I'm I'm always a big proponent of yeah using the right freelancers, right? And also people who you work with on a long-term basis. I think that's really how you're going to create really great content and especially if you have good relationships with these people, I think they can be a huge asset for any content team. I do want to get into your kind of approach to freelancers for sure, because I think that is really valuable. But I also want to go back to a little bit more of the strategy of how you approached both a rebrand and building another brand at the same time, because there's the time element of it for sure. But there's also, I can imagine a lot of other strategic elements that have to come together, right? And I'd love to hear about that. I feel like in most of my roles that I've had, one, obviously not in terms of the branding role, but when you're working with clients and trying to really understand what their values are and what they really want to say about themselves, trying to get a CEO to tell you his, his pitch or his, one, his elevator pitch about a company in one sentence is probably the most difficult thing. I think anyone and most people struggle with. It is so complicated because they have so many ideas about themselves and can describe what they do in so many ways and trying to really break it down into very simple terms. My best approach is always asking every single person that I speak to, whether it's been traffic point or whether it has been previous companies or even companies I've freelanced for. It's always really been about, tell me about your company as if I was a five-year-old child. 
if you can explain to a child what you can do or what you do in general, then that makes a difference because people really, they overcomplicate things and they use big words and they use phrases which are just so over the top and or very vague. And if you really go, okay, I make computers talk to each other. People understand that. It's a very simple way of doing that. Or if it's back to traffic point and it's focused on intent marketing and being at the right place at the right time and giving users the knowledge to make informed purchasing decisions. It's a very, it's a simpler way of describing things. And I think that that's one of my my key strategies of really trying to understand what the company does. And when it comes to the brand values, people throw out a lot of words like respect each other and integrity and until you really break each one down and understand why. Kind of similar to Simon Sinek, start with why. And if you kind of answer those questions, it makes a very big difference. So when it came to the rebranding and helping the language, which, wow, there was a project I took on halfway through, had already been started and I really took over that. And I always try to put myself in the audience's shoes. And if it doesn't appeal to me and if I still don't really understand it, someone else is not going to understand it either. And I'm not going to really relate to it. So I kind of really spend time with the VP, the VPs of the different departments, with the CEO and interviewed them and kind of asked them their perspective. Another great method, which I've done in the past, is actually also interviewing customers of theirs, because that's a great way to really understand what they see, their value, rather than like the value that is provided by the company itself. So one question, because I know I've also experienced this before, and I think it is really complicated when you speak to different people about, especially C-suite, and you ask them, okay, how do you see your company if you were going to explain it to me as a five-year-old, exactly like you're saying, and how do you reconcile different stories about what the company does? Usually I ask the same questions all the way through. So it was, it was, it'll be very much like, why your company? What do you think that the main values are that you provide? So it's just two examples of questions. So I've got a whole laundry list of them. But when I go into them, you'll see most of the time things will start to overlap. That's when you really start to see, okay, wow. So some of them are actually on the same page. They're saying the same thing, but just in slightly different ways. And then it's constructing a language and then representing it to them and asking them, does this relate to you? Does this does this do something? Do you feel something? It's kind of like when you read a manifesto about a company. Does it touch your heart? Do you feel something towards it? Or does it stem some sort of emotion? Do you ever risk having almost like a Frankenstein of all of these different thoughts and opinions? Or in your experience, has it always come together like a beautiful mosaic? Let's just say, say it like that. I'm happy to say, and I've been lucky enough that it always has kind of come together. I've had one situation where... It was a company I was freelancing for, and both partners had completely conflicting views. And that was a real that was really hard because one person sees things as X and doesn't want to change their mind, and the other one sees them as Y. And I kind of had to come up with a Z option because your Z option is kind of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And you kind of keep both parties happy without really playing to either one of their things but you rather in those kind of cases I, I I rather focus on the actual audience and what the audience audience wants to hear not rather what they seem to feel their, their mission or whatever their vision or their language is right so I want to pick back up this tactical element of how you kind of 
I guess, skillfully executed both uh, a rebrand and creating a new brand, uh, which is the freelancer part of things, because I think that is so important for a lot of content people to really master. Um, having a good freelance workforce that's well-managed, uh, well-maintained, and you have really good relationships with can really make or break you just like you experienced. What would be your kind of top tips to make that happen? First of all, it's kind of like wireframing. When you when you lay out and you have a good understanding of everything that you will be needing and everything that needs to be involved, for me, that was a really like a base point because then I kind of started ticking things off. So it's obviously target audience research, understanding who the real audience is, understanding who our competitors are, that that landscape. And moving from there into the freelance thing, I think that we did a lot of many of the, the the freelance thing really came into the writing specifically for this for this case. In past cases, I've also worked with freelancers for design, and I've used a developer, and I've used like a photographer, and those types of things. Where every single one of those people were also freelancers, but when you pull them together and you pull their work, you give each one of them individual guidelines. And if you kind of, it's the same thing as delegating. When you set, you have to also understand who you're going to be delegating to and delegating the correct tasks and delegating the correct amount of information and what is expected of them and make sure everyone understands the end goal. Even in the brief writing, I can say to content writers, it was very much, it was so intricate where it was like, this is the target audience. These are the main topics. This is why this article is important and what it really needs to cover from SEO phrases and terms. And when you get into a rhythm of writing those types of briefs and sending them out, eventually the writer, they kind of, they get used to who you are and they get used to it and they can produce things much faster because they understand the standard. And the same thing when it comes to freelance designers, it's if they have a good understanding of the wireframe, what's expected of them, what needs to go into it, the color schemes, why, like the mentality behind things, they can then play with a whole array of different looks and feels until especially obviously within the visual language. If you don't have a visual language and you only have only colors, then it's it's a bit more difficult. But if you do have a full visual language and you have your VI and you have everything, it makes they understand how to use them. And you have your, your brand book and your guidelines to everything. And I can say that those types of things really helped when it came to the tone of voice and the writing and the style and how we speak where for example, where it's very informative and it's about knowledge and being an authority and things, but it's also about being the helping hand, which will help you make decisions along the way. Yeah, no, definitely. And I th think that's also why I'm a big advocate of the, like, the long-term relationships, because eventually those people also contribute to the standard as well. They help shape yeah, what kind of quality is expected from your brand. Of course, it has the added value that if you're working with them long-term, they know what to expect. They can deliver on-brand content for you, uh, whether that's visual or copy. But yeah, I think it's it's always going to be a benefit as well. And I also really think that, example, when, when people perform really well or they perform really like great with an ongoing relationship with articles, I'm also a very big believer in rewarding. I feel like bonuses are definitely a big motivation for any freelancer. I think that it's it's only fair, especially if a person really is doing the extra mile and turning turning things around in a much faster period of time than what's usually expected. I know most articles are what uh, can take two to five days, and if people turn them around literally at the two day mark, that's beyond incredible and 
I believe that people should be also rewarded. And that those are things when we, when it came to crunch time and last minute things and the craziness, thing, crazy things which happen when you're having deadlines with like with a small amount of people, those, those things really matter and they make a difference. And I can say that that, that work that really saved my, it saved my ass in a very, if I can say that, but it really saved my, it saved my ass in a, in a, in a number of times. And uh, it was, it was a very big factor, um, which assisted in the launch of the, the new brand that we launched. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that, the actual end result. So obviously doing all of that kind of on your own, of course, with a lot of freelance support and buy-in from your VP. I think that's also super critical, right? Can you tell us a little bit about kind of the end result? What what was what happened? I think after we had already established the brand language and we had established the look and feel, um, I was lucky enough that we, I was able to actually start hiring new content managers to join the team to assist with the actual stuff. There was a lot of stuff to then also input, a lot of information to really manage and continue producing and that really made a very big difference to the final outcome. I had an absolute stu- superstar of a content manager who I still have very, very fond of and keep contact with still today. She knows who she is and I would hire her in a heartbeat. And I can honestly say that having a team which also, and you understand how each other work and you really are working towards a common goal, it made such a difference because having a look at different features and, oh, wow, maybe we should add this and having quick research done and quick turnaround time as to why we should maybe add this additional feature as a last, as the final run and the final stretch. It made such a difference from input to care to understanding little nuances about alignment, which most people, I know designers pay attention to, but I know that maybe not everyone else would see these things. I know also the idea that when it comes to startups and products and new products, like first to market and fastest to launch is always best. But when you do manage to catch these things along the way, it makes such a difference. And I'm happy to say at the end of the day, we launched an amazing B2B site. It's a software as a service site. And it was, and it is, it's, it's, it's very exciting in the, in in the realm of comparison websites. And it's, it's to me going to be one of the most exciting projects I can also say that I've worked on because it was something from scratch and we had taken the brand language and the original ideas from a branding agency, which had worked with them and then fleshed them out and really carried the idea through all the way from brand language, to the visuals to everything. I wouldn't have managed at the end because when it came to the strategy and the language in the beginning, there was one thing and the visuals with our designer. But when it came to everything else about actually managing and uploading and commissioning new content and new everything, it made such a difference having that supportive team by my side when I could, when I eventually had it. I really do feel they are very often career making, right? This is something that you can now point to and you could say, I did that from scratch and under less than ideal circumstances during Corona with a furloughed team, that's uh, pretty impressive. And I can even add on to that. The person who originally started, who was one of the content managers who, were, who we then hired, the one that I mentioned previously, she started off really as a junior. And within that short period of time of a year, I see her as mid-level to senior with the way she, like, she really conducted herself, the way her professionalism, it really gave an opportunity for, because we were such a small team, it gave an opportunity to really grow in such a short period of time and develop those relationships with the freelance writers, learn the language the same way, but really build and learn how to, what it took to really go into building. 
So for me, it was rewarding to not only just build it, but also to bring a person from a junior level to how I see as mid 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 senior, with just her the, her work ethics and the, and what she learned in that short period of time. I definitely hope that she listens to that because that's a standing ovation, to be honest. But I also hope that it kind of serves as like a flicker of hope uh, for a lot of people in difficult situations or who are thrown a similar challenge where you look down a kind of an endless hole and you think, is this going to be possible? Well, it is. Um, and we have someone here who's done it. So uh, hats off to you. To be honest, I think in general, the entire team and whoever, every single person that was hired really made a difference and took ownership over their portals, over their sites, over everything that they had. And I can't just say it was one single person who made the difference for, I can't even give myself the credit because I believe the fact that every single person who took on the new port on, on a new portal and a new realm and a new website and a whole group of websites, they really owned them. And we were so specific about how, who we hired and how we hired that it made such a difference when we actually found the correct people because they, they they were so proud and to take ownership of the actual the work that they were doing that they did make a difference and they have been making a difference, which was which has been probably the proudest thing and made it the hardest decision for me to also leave them and join Elemental. Hiring matters, guys, uh, for sure. Um, I think good hires can really, yeah, can really make, uh, yeah, make your team, of course, and make uh, all of the big projects that you take on. But that's a kind of a sideline. Would love to get into that with you. I do have a closing question, uh, one that I always ask, uh, which is, what is uh, one piece of content, a course, person, idea, project even, though we've already talked about projects, that really shaped the way that you view content? I did mention him right in the beginning, and I will mention him again. Um, Eitan Shetayat, um, the creative director of Natty, I can say that he is a person to look up to in the world in the world of branding and advertising and everything. And I cannot say it enough that he is every piece of content that he ever puts out. I'm a follower. I'm an avid reader, and he really has been a person who's really shaped the way I even look at content or approach a piece of content. And um, yeah, I have no other words to describe it. He, he is revolutionary with the way he approaches things and does things, and he is incredible with the executions of what he produces, and each piece means so much. And it, it, it's, about, it's about care, and he really puts it, like, that extra piece of effort into it. Well, I think he's uh, just about to gain a few followers from here. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be following him, so uh, I look forward to seeing some of the content that he also puts out. Just to close out, I really want to thank you for coming, Bianca. Really appreciated the talk and uh, yeah, we'll speak soon. Thank you very much. All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Perfectly Content. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this episode and want to stay tuned for more, click subscribe wherever you're listening and you'll receive updates on our very next episode. And finally, one last thing, we have an editorial style newsletter that goes out once a week called The Crave. We talk about all of the content that we've been craving this week. And each week it's curated by a different content person from the Folian team. You can check it out at folian.com slash the dash crave. See you there. <laughs>